0: article came and says, I'm a minister. Now, it goes on to say sometimes it is done humble, meek person saying, I'm, I'm a minister of God, to the person who says, I am the minister and you would done it my way. See? So there's this tendency of which way it is or how is it done. Uh, it's sad. Because, for the most part, the term minister in the Bible is really misunderstood. We really don't fully grasp what was said in the scriptures. The article goes through here and asks the question, What is a minister? I ask you the question. When I say minister, what comes into your mind? The man that's speaking? The one that comes by and wants when you're sick. The one that comes in there and tells you you're doing it wrong and you're going to do it my way. Uh, what, what comes into your mind when you hear the term minister? Does, what does the role involve? And what, what is the outline and all, all the little pinpointing from the littlest point to the biggest points of being a minister? And is he somebody extra special? I remember when I first came into church, I had a chance to uh, fly to Big Sandy because the minister in Houston at the time was Charles Dorothy, Dr. Charles Dorothy, and uh, I had an opportunity to fly up there. And I looked at, man, this is one of the top people in the church. You know, he's teaches in the college, and he's, you know, he's got this doctor degree and and he's teaching me, he's got this whole congregation of 250, 260 people. So I go up and I put him on this pedestal like most of us do with the ministry. We stick him on this pedestal because there's something special, you know. <laughs> I got there and I got to meet his family. And I said, my, my family's probably in a little better shape than his. <laughs> I mean, it was a letdown in one sense because I said, this guy's human. He's not this great, special person. He's got all this... He's got faults just like I do. And his children were a lot more terrorists than mine. Mine were not terrorists. They were basically pretty good kids. But what comes into your mind when we say, I'm a minister? What do you think about? You know, sometimes we look at like Aaron's family was the priests of Israel. And sometimes we think that a minister is someone that that didn't come through the ranks. It, his dad was, you know, he take like the prophets of uh, of Colorado City. They're generally, the family, when the father gets to the point he can't do those duties that, that they have set as a criteria for for their job, they get their son, their oldest son, or whichever one's more aligned to being with them. And that's what it was with Aaron's family, wasn't it? Aaron's family was given the opportunity and the responsibility of being the priests. So, is a minister then just someone that's born into that position? Like Mr. Armstrong and... uh, Ted Armstrong and uh, uh, Richard Armstrong, they were born into that family. Is that, is that the case? Is that how we look at what a minister is? Well, this article goes on and says, no. It points out that we are all ministers. Well, is that true? Are, are you a minister? I mean, do, you, do you look at that yourself? I'm a minister. Well there's a lot of people in the Church of God today that take that approach. We are all ministers. And I believe, in one sense, yes, you are ministers. But in the other sense, I believe you're not ministers, okay? So maybe that's a double-sided question. Yes, you are minister, but no, you're not ministers. Depends on what you mean by minister. In the Old Testament, the word minister occurs 66 times. And so we're going to take a look at and see if we can determine what is a minister and what is a minister. Are you the one that does the preaching? Are you the one that does the putting them down and, and, you know, and forcing people to do it your way? Do all the baptism, all the marriage, all the uh, funerals, uh, all the counseling, or what is a minister? The first term is 8334, and I think it's Shara, a primitive root to attend as a mentor or a worshiper, figuratively, to contribute. And this is showing extreme compliance or subject or objective Obedience—that's so what he's talking about. Uh, King James says, "Minister, minister unto, do serve, wait on." So this word is forty-five times in the Old Testament, and it means to serve. Look at Exodus twenty-four, because what we want to do is make sure when we learn something that it fits Scripture. So let's look at Exodus chapter twenty-four verse 12. Exodus 24, verse 12. And the Lord said to Moses, now here's God speaking to Moses, and we know that Moses was put in a special position. He says to Moses, Come up to me unto the mountain, and be there, and I will give you tablets of stone, and the law, and commandments, which I have written, that you may teach them. So here we could see that Moses was given a responsibility to teach the people God's commandments. That's what he was told. You will teach these things to my people. The commandments, the law, and the things that God wants done. Verse 13. And Moses rose up, and his minister, Joshua. Wait a minute, you mean Joshua is going to sit out there and teach Moses something? Is that what it's saying? called Joshua a minister. Is he supposed to be teaching Moses? Is he Moses' teacher? No, I think we see that minister here, applying back to what we learned, is to, to serve or be a servant or wait on. So Moses had a minister, Joshua. So that term minister here means to wait on. To serve, to help, to support, to carry, help him carry the load. It's just like, Daryl, somebody's got to help him carry the load. It's a big job. I really don't want that job. <laughs> Too big for me. I just can't do it. Moses couldn't do the job either all by himself. He had to have someone, and it happened to be a dedicated man named Joshua who helped Moses carry the the load. Numbers chapter 3. Let's look at it again. This word, minister, at this point. Numbers chapter 3, verse 6. And we hear that? There are ministers and there are ministers. Bring the tribe of Levi near and present them before Aaron the priest. So here God is saying Aaron is the priest. Aaron had a special position, a special job. But Moses was to bring the rest of the Levite tribe to Aaron that they may minister unto him, unto Aaron. Aaron's job was high priest. He had certain finite duties that God set for him to do. There's a lot of other duties that had to be done. And the Levites had to minister unto Aaron. And they shall keep the charge and the charge of the whole congregation before the tabernacle of the congregation to do the service of the tabernacle. There were physical things that had to be done, just like it is here. Floors got to be swept, lights got to be fixed or turned on, turned off, air conditioning. Uh, a lot of different things had to be done. The Levites had that responsibility. They were to serve the tabernacle. They were the ministers of the tabernacle. We have singers and congregations that have choirs. Those are ministers too, aren't they? I think in some of the Protestant areas they call that the uh, minister of the children or the ministry of the of the uh, choir or different type of ministries. But they're ministers. But are they set on a high pedestal? No. Oh, yeah. We look out there and we've seen people that have the quality to be able to carry a tune besides a bush in, in a bushel basket, but be able to carry a tune in our hearts, and to make our hearts glad and God's heart glad. So they had a job. It goes on verse 8, and they shall keep all the instruments of the tabernacle of the congregation and shall the charge of the children of Israel to do the service of the tabernacle. So here the term minister of the Levites was a physical job. Building curtains, maybe digging ditches, whatever it required in the tabernacle, those people had that job to do. They were a minister of sorts, if you want to. First Chronicles fifty two uh, fifteen, <coughs> excuse me. First Chronicles fifteen, verse two. And David said. None ought to carry the ark of God, but the Levites. For them had the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. So they were ministering unto God by carrying the ark. We know what happened when somebody decided for himself they carried it wrong. David had the ark brought. They were doing it wrong. Uzzah reached out there to grab the ark and man died because it wasn't his job. God was specific. So he had people assigned as ministers of the ark to carry it. They knew how to do that. They were trained to do that. But were they the teachers? No, they had a job to do. Isaiah 60 verse 10. So finding that this job of minister doesn't necessarily mean you're the one who goes out there and speaks, does it? Isaiah 60, verse 10. And the sons of the stranger shall build up the wall, and the king shall minister unto you. So here the kings are going to minister unto God's people. For... In my wrath I have smote you, but in my favor have I had mercy on you. So we have people that have a responsibility. Their ministry is physical work. This is back in the Old Testament. Now let's look at another word. That's minister. And Fifteen times it's recorded. So I didn't go through all the others, it gives you. You can go and look those up. Here, 15 times is 3547, and I think it's 47, 48, and 49. <coughs> the word is K A W H A N, which is still ministry. A prime root, a prime uh, apparently meaning to uh, meditate in religious service sitting so here meditating in religious service is a ministry but used only as diminutive form. It's to deck, be, do, the office of execute the ministry in the, in the uh, priest's office. So this means a person that has a responsibility to do the teaching it's only 15 times in the Old Testament. Example, Exodus chapter 28. Exodus chapter 28, verse 1. And take unto you Aaron your brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the office, the priest's office, Even Aaron, Nabab, Abihu, Eleazar, I mean, Eleazar, and uh, so his sons were the responsibility to do the priest's job to minister to God. They had a special assignment. And you shall speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may... Make Aaron's garments and con- consecrate him that he may minister unto me in the office of the priest. So here, Aaron's job was to minister directly to God, to serve God, and to do the work that God put in his, in his hands. Exodus 29. Exodus 29. This could also mean a chief ruler, priest, or principal officer. Exodus twenty nine forty four. And I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, and I will sanctify also both Aaron and his sons to minister unto me in the priest's office. So again, we're finding out that there was a specific assignment. There's a difference between ministering of the tabernacle, the physical arrangements, and ministering directly to God in the office of a priest. In Psalms, the book of Psalm 9, verse 8, this is one time that this is used, and this is 1777, It's a principal route uh, to rule by implication of judgment, also to uh, strive at the law. So, Psalm 9, verse 8, And he shall judge the world in righteousness, and he shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. Speaking of Christ, he is the chief minister. And it's only used one time. Who have judgment, ministering judgment, and pleading the cause? We know that to be Christ. So here's one time in the whole Old Testament that this one time, this minister who is we know in the New Testament the um, shepherd of shepherds. I know there are people out there called they call themselves the shepherd. But are they the shepherd? There's only one the shepherd. Let's take a look at the New Testament then. Is it different in the New Testament? Did things change? The word minister is used 23 times in the New Testament. In Matthew 20, verse 25. Matthew 20, 25. Jesus called unto him, and said, unto them, rather, and said, you know that the uh, princes of the Gentiles execute dominion over them, and they that are great execute authority over them. So we've got to be careful what, this is the world's attitude. But it shall not be so among you. Christ talking to the disciples. People that he specifically picked. So it shall not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. So we're looking at people that want to be great. They want to be ministers. And whosoever shall be chief among you, let him be your servant. So we're relating servant and minister together even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Here we're finding that it is an attitude of of unquenchable service. He's willing to go above and beyond what's been put in front of you. And I think that's pretty difficult because I find myself, you know, at times you get tired and you want to quit. But if you have the vision that Christ had, if you have the knowledge that he has and the looking toward what is the future, you don't stop, you don't give up, but you keep going. And Mr. Armstrong used to say that that you don't retire. You don't retire in God's way of life. You just go to sleep. But you work as much as you possibly physically can, and when you're tired, you give a little more effort and keep going, not to wet down. So here Christ said, He came not to be ministered to, and yet people wanted to minister to Christ, but He said, I came to minister for you. I came to serve you people. Matthew 25, verse 44. Matthew 25, 44. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when shall we you hungered or thirst a stranger, naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? but when did we see you Christ? So, they're asking the question, if it was you Christ, if it was Emmanuel there, well, we would have done it. We would have had no problem doing that. I hear that all the time today. If it was Christ here, I would have no problem doing those things. That's what Christ is saying. They're saying to him, when when do we see you Christ sick and all this? Then shall he answer, saying, Verily or truly I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it unto one of the least of these, you did it to me. So he's saying what we need to take and keep our eyes open, if we want to be a minister of Christ, keep our eyes open and those that need help, are they in prison? You're serving Christ. Are they sick? And you go over there and you do all you possibly can. You're you're serving Christ. You're ministering to Christ. Are they hungry? And so you have so much. Are you willing to share what you have? I remember one time we had a whole group of people from uh, St. Petersburg and Sarasota came to Fort Myers and they only had a little bit of food. And I said, not a problem. All we have to do is ask God for help. And he'll supply the needs. And the man who was in charge didn't agree with me. But I feel God's in charge. So he's saying, if you only have a little food, you bring them in and ask God's blessing, it'll be enough. Because you're ministering to Christ. Are you teaching Christ? No. But you're serving Christ by serving each other. You know, we have heard that in the sermonette. We have to have that kind of love that Christ had that you're willing to go above and beyond what's set in front of you. Too often we have a criteria, I will go this far and that's it. But is that the criteria that Christ took? Did he say, I will only go to this point and that's it, I won't go any farther? No, We know that it says Christ, even though they spit on him, they beat on him, they falsely accused him, they lied about him, everything they possibly could, we know he never raised one railing accusation. Do we do that? Or do we see somebody making a mistake? I know I talked to a man yesterday and I said, you know, one of the things that God hates and is really hard for me is when someone causes dissension. Causes dissension. That's not ministering unto the congregation. That's taking away. You minister to the to the congregation by uplifting people, looking for the best in them, not tearing them apart. Too easy to do that. And what happens is some get angry. They get frustrated, angry, and. And, you know, we shouldn't even get angry unless it's righteous anger. You know, God tells us not to let our sun go down on our anger. So, there's so a lot of things we've got to change there, don't we? If we're going to minister some other person, we can't get so angry at them because we know also Christ expanded the law, you know, you shall not kill. But he expanded to the point where you're so angry at a person, you killed them in your mind, didn't he? You can't kill somebody in your mind and minister to them, can you? So here we're talking about a ministry of service. Romans chapter 13. Romans 13, verse 4. For he is a minister of God to you for good. So there are people that are ministers for good but if you do that which is evil be afraid for he bears not the sword in vain so we've got to be careful if we do things (laughs) that are evil there are people that will take your life for it or beat you to the ground it's not worthwhile fighting is it you can't fight and be angry and serve other people. For he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that does evil. So there are people, law officers, judges, governors, and there's people in the church that God sets in a position to serve the people, but to help the people if it takes... Throwing them, or telling them that they can't come back if you're going to cause dissension. So there is necessity at the point. Wherefore, you must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but for conscience sake. So God has ministers that are in the world. If you go out there and you break the law, Is he teaching you? No, he's a minister of God. He's ministering safety. He's ministering justice, we hope. Not always, but sometimes. So here in a case that the word minister doesn't mean preacher. Doesn't mean I'm in charge, you do it my way. Uh, We have a project that we're working on. Yeah, there is a man there that is responsible for doing the job. And he gets frustrated because sometimes we challenge him without knowing his thoughts. And so he gets super frustrated and angry. But we are supposed to, if we're serving him, we should be ministering unto him in love, like we heard, Love others. You can't love them and put them down. You can't do that. So you should minister by doing the best you can. Verse 6 was, For this cause pay you tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. So we should pay taxes saying that you should give to Caesar, wasn't what Christ said, give to Caesar what's Caesar's, and give to God what's God's. So God has ministers sometimes that are in the physical areas that are not in the church. And we are supposed to obey those laws too. Galatians 2, verse 17. Galatians 2, 17. But if While we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? You know, we want to justify ourselves and justify, Well, I'm in the church of God. I can put somebody else down if I want to. Are we saying Christ is the minister of sin? Because we're seeing... Christ ministered to us and we're supposed to follow his standard anyway. He set the standard for us. God forbid, Paul said, because Christ is not the minister of sin, but of service and love. I was thinking so many times, Moses was the meekest man on earth. Sometimes we relate meek with weak. But the term meek means humble. Willing to go above and beyond the calling. So many people that we read about in Hebrews 11, don't we? Men and women who went above and beyond the call. And they were ministers too, both physically and mentally and spiritually. First Peter, four, verse 10. 1 Peter 4, verse 10. As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So here we're given gifts. Some of us can be carpenters. Some of us can be only ditch diggers. Some can be electricians and carpet layers or... Some people can be cattle raisers or horse riders or whatever. You know, there's a myriad of things. And you have a gift. You might be a a great cook or someone that can iron fantastically or maybe you're a person that likes to sew and you're really great at that job. Here he's telling us that we should minister that gift to other people. How do you do that? Well, you help, maybe you're teaching, or maybe you're able to do that or somebody else just can't do that. So you're able to minister to those people in that area. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God gives, that God in all things may be glorified, through Emmanuel, to whom the praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So the ultimate goal is whatever gift God gives to you, you minister that to others for what? To bring glory and honor and praise to the great Creator God. He's omnipotent. He really doesn't need us. But He wants us. And so what we are, because we are his children, we should do all we can that the outcome is glory to God, not personal glory. So when we go back and think of the minister who's on the pedestal, where does his glory go? Self or to God? Your service to other people. Is it to self? I am the greatest electrician around. I am the greatest carpet layer. I am the greatest ditch digger or tire changer. Man, I can change tires lickety-spit better than anybody else on this planet. Whose glory is coming to that? Self. So then who are you a minister to? God or self? You to look at it that way. So what does the term minister mean? Self-centeredness or glory to God in all that you possibly do. The New Testament, 1247. To be an attendant, wait upon mentally or as a host, a friend, a teacher. To act as a Christian deacon. What was about a service, a physical area of life that's so necessary in this day and time. It really is. It's an act of service. And here it calls it a deacon. Two times in the New Testament it says, probably have both of these, and this is 3011, From a, a divinitive uh, of uh, 2992, a public servant functioning in the tabernacle or gospel or worshiper or benefactor. It's called minister or ministered. Okay, two times. Romans 15:16. Romans 15:16 that I should be the minister of Emmanuel to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Paul saying his job was to bring the gospel to these people, to bring them closer to God. His job was given that as a teacher, and to bring the gospel and offer these people to God. Just as Aaron and his family offered the, the sacrifices which could never take away sins, but it was something that they had to do to make the people realize, hey, I'm sinning. It didn't take the sin away, but it made them think, I'm sinning. I've made a mistake. And so they ministered to that way. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 2. Hebrews 8, 2. A minister of the sanctuary. So this place, two times it says, it's a minister of the sanctuary. And of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. So here is the tabernacle he's talking about here. The true tabernacle that God has built. The church is a tabernacle. Our bodies are the temple of God's Spirit. Are they not a tabernacle. So he was a minister to us to teach us and show us the right way. Another time in the New Testament, one time, this is Romans um, 15, verse 27. Let me get back over there. Romans 15.27 It had pleased them uh, verily and that the debtors they are for if the Gentiles had been made partakers of of the spiritual things their duty is also to minister unto them in the carnal things. So we're talking about physical labors again one time, it's talking about physical labors. This is 3011. It's to be a public servant, to perform religious or charitable functions, worship. So, it's doing physical work, charitable work, giving to other people. So, I ask again, are you a minister? or are you a minister? Well, we're all ministers, aren't we, to physical things. We all have a responsibility to God, to serve the great God. In 1 Corinthians 12, we find that the church as the human body, you know, you look at your human body, you have a head, on your head you have two ears, you have two eyes, and nose, and one mouth. You have a neck, you have shoulders and arms, hands, fingers, legs, toes. What would you be like if you had no hands and somebody told you to climb out here to this uh, windmill, climb up that ladder? Could you do that? It'd be difficult. You'd probably have to use your mouth and your feet. You might be able to do that. You might not. What if you were, had your hands but no feet? Could you run a race? Maybe in a wheelchair, but there certainly be a lot of people that outrun you. And you have a hard time driving, and you have a hard time getting around, going up and down stairs, wouldn't you? So what if you had no eyes? So your ears become more sensitive to the sounds around. But can you do as many things without your eyes? Or your smelling? Or your taste? It's difficult. So as we're pointed out here, for as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that body, one, being many, are one body, so is Christ. So there's a lot of need out here for different types of ministering. Mainly, physical things so can we say well all you can do is pray so what if we got rid of you would we we'll be short on prayer would we we'll be short on a contact to the creator God to help do the job that's got to be done what if you're not able to pick up ten pounds you just sit down and forget no you do what you can do So there are those that are physically strong and that are giving of their life. Whatever job you have, again, it goes back to the gift. What gift you have. What is the gift that you have? Are you ministering that gift to bring glory and honor and praise to God? Or you complain and say, I can't do that anymore because that too often happens. So we are all ministers. We have responsibilities, one with another. Not all of us have the responsibility to stand up and teach. Ephesians 4 tells what that job is, those that do the teaching, and who gave that job. Did the person seek it himself? Yes, there have been people who have sought out to be the one who's doing the preaching. For what purpose? Because they want to be on some pedestal and say, look at me. I am God's minister. And I have all the answers. But I'll tell you, every man and woman has to eat and sleep. Every man and woman has to put their clothes on, one arm or one leg at a time. We're all the same. So do we have people on a pedestal that think we're greater than somebody else? Too many times we find that. It's happened in the church, and the church collapsed because of it. Because people were of that point. They were not Moses. Moses, remember, was meek, humble, willing to go above and beyond. Moses even came to the point to say, I will give my life, eternal life for the nation of Israel if you just spare them. Is that being weak? No. That's what God wants from those that are called ministers. Whether you're doing a physical job or a preaching job, He wants you to be Outward giving. So he says in Hebrews 4:11, and he, Christ, who is the head of the church. Remember, we can read that too. As Christ is head of the church, so as he put the man head of the wife was something he ordained and did. So he, Emmanuel, gave some apostles. Do we have apostles today? I don't know. I haven't seen any, and I can't make that judgment. But if they fulfill the criteria that Christ put as an apostle, maybe there are, and maybe there are not. Some prophets, and we have people who claim to be prophets, we know that if the prophecy comes true, they were a prophet of God. If it doesn't come true, whose prophet were they? Self-centered, maybe. Some evangelists. Stephen was an evangelist and a deacon. So was Philip, a deacon and an evangelist. They evangelized. They had God's Spirit so much, they went out there and they let it flow out of them, not for personal glory, but to bring honor and praise and glory to the great God. Some are pastors. We have one here. Other congregations have a pastor. Does the man cover God's Word and bring glory to self? or to God. That's how you know who is a pastor, who is the one that's in charge. Some teachers. For the purpose, goes on, of perfecting the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we're talking here specifically of those that have the responsibility to teach and lead people to serve God. until or until we all come to the unity of the faith, to be unified in the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure and the stature and the fullness of Christ. We are to look like Christ. We are to talk like Christ. We are to be dedicated as Christ. And God has put some of us in that that spiritual position—a spiritual position to minister to you, to minister to people, to bring the glory to God, not to the self, because we are nothing. And we'll skip some of this. But there are physical duties too. Let's go over here to Acts. You know, because it talks about ordinations. He says in this article that they did these ordinations and they were pompous and to bring special glory and stuff. Well, the glory was to bring to God. Okay, when someone was ordained to an office, it was to bring God's glory. Paul and Barnabas were ordained to apostles by the church to do what? For their personal glory? Paul shows his life was to bring glory and honor to God and he went above and beyond the call. He gave the proverbial 200% or 110% where a lot of people give 90, 80 you know it depends on how you feel today how far you'll go here in Acts chapter 6 verse 1 there is a physical job to be done ministering in the church in those days when the number is verse 1 when the number of the disciples was uh, multiplied there was also a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministry. The daily helping. Well, you have widows who need help. And it was falling on the apostles to go out there and help these people. And they couldn't. There's only 12. They couldn't do it. They were limited. Remember what happened with Moses? He was trying to solve all the problems of the whole nation and his father-in-law said, you know, you're doing this wrong. You're killing the people and yourself. Look you out so many people. Put them in charge. It's captains of thousands, five hundreds, fifties, tens. Let them deal. And as the problem was more difficult for the ten, they brought the for the he brought it to the fifties. Is it difficult for the fifties, he brought it to the hundreds. A hundred to the thousands. Finally, it would be brought to, to Moses. And he could deal with it. And that's what happens Today. So here these people, the apostles, were not only trying to bring people closer to Christ and bring glory and honor to God, but they were doing all the physical things too. And they were slapped in it because they just couldn't do it all. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. A ministry of serving tables and widows and homeless, the fatherless, the um, people that are having difficulties. Here there was the minister who was out there doing all the work. I've seen this happen in the church in years past where the minister did everything. Nothing could be done unless the minister was doing it. But he can't do it all. And they knew that. They found that out. Therefore, brethren, look you out among you seven men of honest report. So here he asked the church, bring me people who have honest report. They're not thieves or cr- criminals or, or blowhards or whatever you want to call them. An honest report. Um, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom who may, uh, may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves, continue to prayer and the ministry of the word. So they understood they had a job. Not that they were on a pedestal to be looked up to and say, oh, great minister. How could you help us? Makes me think of Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah. <laughs> Well, people did that. The rabbi, rabbi, you know all the answers. You know? There were needs in the church. We have those needs daily here. And there is a ministry and there is an ordination of people to, to be leaders in that position. They don't have to do it all, but they were those that have that capability. And so we have a pastor who runs himself down because he needs more help. And are we praying and asking God to send more help? The man's getting wore out. But he sees the vision. Do we see that same vision? So we have deacons that have responsibilities. And are we willing to cooperate with them? Do we do our part and do 110% when we need God? And that was important too. But we will give ourselves, continue to the prayer and the ministry of the Word. And the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen. What happened to Stephen? Stephen went 110%, didn't he? He not only did the physical things, but he went out there in a the point that he finally... Became an evangelist, maybe not appointed or placed in that position, but he brought the knowledge of God because he had what it said here. He had wisdom and understanding. Do we have that same vision? Stephen? Philip? Moses? Christ? Our example. Where do we stand? There's ministers and there's ministers. There are those that have the responsibility to keep prayer and close to God and let God's Spirit flow through them and be able to teach each one of us God's way. And there are the ministers that take care of the physical things that help those like Joshua ministered unto Moses. Are we ministering unto our pastor? Let's do it serving him, you know. Whatever it takes. You can't just limit yourself because I don't feel good today. I know that this man didn't feel good and still went and worked and worked. We should have had some more help. So, When we hear the term minister, do you really understand what the term means? Does it mean just the guy that does the preaching and does the correcting and does the pointing and all these other things? Or does it mean you or me? Because there are ministers. Ministers of physical things. Ministers of the temple of God. Ministers of the place where we meet. Ministers are the physical things around us. And there are those that are ministers, not on a pedestal, but ministers who have meekness, humble, ready to serve, ready to go 100%. What do you think when you hear the term Minister.